Hi friends, we're going to be uh, looking at John chapter 10 and we're going to be looking at the second half. Oh yeah, thank you, that's what I want. Um, so if you want to get that in your Bibles, where it's from verse 22 I think. Um, I'm uh, preaching from a laptop today, which is very exciting. Uh, let's have a go, I already did. Wait, here we go, lovely slide. So, um, just to begin with, um, this is kind of a bit different maybe, for me at least, we're, we're looking at the next portion of scripture, so we're, we're in John 10, we're looking at verses 22 to 42, and uh, we're going to carry on in there, but we're also um, carrying on from what Josh brought last week, um, because in, in this portion of scripture, it's very much the same idea, the same theme, and it's the theme of Jesus as the good shepherd. So uh, Josh last week um, showed us how uh, Jesus is the good shepherd and, and, and started with how that's a theme actually throughout the whole of scripture, how uh, right from the very beginning, God is gathering a people to himself. He's gathering a people that he cares for, that he looks after, that he ultimately will, will give his life for. And we see that fulfilled in Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the great gatherer of people, and I'm the, the person that ultimately I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. Uh, and Josh brought us this encouragement uh, that we are his sheep. If we're Christians here today, uh, then we are uh, his sheep. And, and this is amazing because it means that the God of the universe is, is leading us to new things. The God of the universe is leading us to something. And God is good, so what he leads us to is good as well. Um, it also means that this, tr- this word uh, that Jesus says about he lays down his life for the sheep means that's for us. So it was a great encouragement last week. Uh, but there was a challenge as well. In the, in the story, as Jesus puts it, there's wolves, there's thieves, there's lazy uh, laborers. They kind of work for the shepherd, but actually do a rubbish job. Ultimately, the good shepherd is what we want. And these other voices that there are. And Josh told us that story about how Harvey, his dog, um, is great in the house, and I've seen this firsthand when Josh has got the treat and says, you know, Lig and Stanna and Snurda, Harvey does it perfectly. But as soon as you take Harvey out into the woods, he's gone. <laughs> and he doesn't, and he's, he's now there's other voices, you see. Now there's other temptations. Now there's plenty of other exciting things uh, to see and to do and to, to eat, like use toilet roll. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, it's actually the same for us. There are other voices in the world and uh, some of them are louder than others and they're shouting and screaming for our attention. And the thing that they want to do is take us away from the shepherd. The thing they want us to do is lead us away from God. Ultimately, we have an enemy and that enemy wants us to, to be as joyless, to be as unfulfilled, to be as unsatisfied in God as we possibly can be. Because he knows that ultimately that's where joy, fulfillment and life is. We sang that this morning over and over. We, we heard that in, that in that tongue. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit about that. So it was really cool that we had uh, some tongues and interpretation this morning. So if you're wondering what all that was about, we're going to talk, cover that a little bit later. Um, this has been a bit of a reoccurring theme in, um, in John's gospel as well. This idea, um, I actually found a verse, I was thinking of this last week. Um, just uh, this idea of, of other voices and other things, there, there's plenty of other stuff. It doesn't have to be stuff that's obviously bad for you. 
that's a really easy thing to say that we could be like, oh, we could be going after God, but then I'm tempted by like drugs or alcohol or something. That's kind of, we, that that's, does happen for sure, but actually it can just as easily be things that would be good for us. My uh, desire to be, um, like have a, a promotion at work means that I, uh, you know, start staying in longer and longer hours, neglecting my wife, my kids, my family, and, and all of these things. There can be ways in which uh, the good things, wanting to do well at work, can become what I live for. Because if I can tell, for me, if I could tell my dad, oh yeah, dad, don't worry, I'm a great teacher now, the school loves me, then he's going to appreciate me, and that's what I'm living for, not for God, not for Jesus. And so it means that, you know, when it comes to tell my testimony or to stand up for what I believe in in school, I'm going to keep quiet because I don't want to be that weirdo um, that speaks about Jesus because I want that promotion. Like, do you see how good things like can be? So um, I found this verse in uh, Philippians 3 where Paul says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. It's like all things are this used toilet roll in order that I may gain Christ. Christ is the prize. Jesus is what we're after. Those things can be good and you can have them, but Jesus is what we live for. Um, And we're talking about the real Jesus. That's the title of this sermon series. And that's partly because we want people to see who Jesus really is. Um, Not just this like good teacher, moral speaker who who kind of gives us a word of wisdom, but actually that he's God. Actually that he is life. That in reality, Jesus is, it's all about him. Josh says that all the time. Uh, it's, It's all about Jesus. And it's true. It is all about Jesus. Um, and we're gonna, that's, again, a theme that just keeps coming up in John's gospel. John is constantly saying, oh, this is a point for later. I'll save it for later. Uh, this real Jesus, Jesus is the main thing. That means, for example, if you're thirsty, Jesus is the living water. That's way back in John chapter 4. If you're hungry, Jesus is the bread of life, John chapter 5. If you're in a dark place... Jesus is the light of the world. Like all of the things that we could need, Jesus is the answer. That's what John keeps telling us. If you've got a need in your life, go to Jesus. Jesus is our good shepherd. And so we must trust him and crucially listen to him. So that's where we're at now, where we've worked out kind of, we know who the real Jesus is. He, he's, he's God and he's all of these things, he's living water, he's bread, he's sustenance, he's a, a guiding light that shines the way so that we don't get lost. But we need to start trusting the words that he speaks. So we need to know how to hear his voice and we need to trust. My encouragement now is, for us is um, that this morning, Jesus doesn't just want what's good for you, he wants what's eternally good for you. It's much bigger than your present kind of desires or needs or feelings. What God wants for you is much greater than that. And we've got to trust that the good shepherd is leading us to green pasture. Because these other voices want to get you away. And you'll find yourself in the brambles, in the thorns, where there's wolves. So we stay close to him. Okay. I'll skip this. 
Let's read John uh, chapter 10, verses 22 to 42. As we do, um, this is what we're going to... Sorry, I've got your phone, Josh. I have to read it from there. Um, as we do, we're going to be looking at uh, kind of two things um, in the rest of this message. Uh, we're going to be looking at really how to hear his voice. So the whole thing that Josh said last week is that he's the good shepherd and he leads us. And so that might be really easy for, for you to say, but what does that actually mean? What does that look like? How do I hear God? It's a really great question because there's plenty of people that would think that, you know, oh, hearing God is for, is for the super spiritual. Hearing God is for like the leaders. Hearing God is for like the Pope or something. Whereas I hear what that person's saying and I trust that that person's heard God. It doesn't, we're gonna see that's not the case. Um, hearing God is something that all believers have done and can do and should do and will do. So as we look through, uh, I want you to notice two things. One, if you are a Christian today, then you've already heard his voice. And two, uh, we're going to look at three ways that you can hear his voice and uh, be sure that you're hearing his voice. And those three ways are through Jesus, through the Bible and through one another. So that's where we're going. I've got four points. You've already heard his voice. You can hear him through Jesus. You can hear him through scripture and you can hear him through one another. And then we're done. So let's read John chapter 10, verses 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am the Father, are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him, Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said that you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken... Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I'm the son of God? If I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Wait a second. Oh, Thanks, pals. Uh, so, uh, and he escaped from their hands. Verse 40. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. So, um, 
Firstly, how do we hear God's voice? You already have. If you look down uh, to verses 25 and 27, you see uh, that it says um, that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's the condition of Christians. It's, it's what makes Christians Christians is that they've heard the shepherd's voice as sheep and they've gone to the shepherd. Um, this is kind of a, a metaphor for being saved that's used that, that, that is explained in other ways in the gospel. So, for example, in John chapter three, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and, uh, and, and Nicodemus is asking this question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, unless you are born again, this being the, the metaphor that he uses is being born again is the way that you would get saved. And, and what we learned from that passage is that you, you, didn't, and you weren't really involved in being born the first time. It happened to you. And that's why that metaphor is used. God is the one that's doing the, the borning againing, the rebirth, the, the renewing of your heart. Similarly, um, the, uh, having, we learned a, a couple of weeks ago, John chapter 9, uh, Jesus heals a guy who was born blind. And that guy didn't do anything other than he, he went and washed his eyes in faith, but Jesus is the one that healed his eyes. Jesus is the one that opened his eyes. But we saw that that was, again, a picture of his spiritual sight being restored. Because over the course of that chapter, <coughs> chapter 9, the guy sees more and more who Jesus is. First, Jesus is just a man. Then, oh, he must be a prophet. Then no one can do the things that this guy does to you are the Messiah and I worship you as God. That's a, that's a full heart turnaround from you are a man, from not knowing who Jesus is at all to you are God and I worship you. And, and the point of that story is John uh, saying that Jesus, when he, he saves people, opens their eyes. Again, we're going to see in chapter 11, uh, when Lazarus is raised from the dead, uh, Lazarus, again, he's not involved in that because he's dead. And so he's not able to do anything to raise himself up. But Jesus comes and says, Lazarus, come forth. And he gets up and his clothes, are, you know, he comes out in bandages because God is the one. Jesus is the one who stirs our hearts to new life. I think back to, to how I became a Christian and I, and I know that I prayed a prayer and I know that. But, I, but I'm aware that something happened in my heart, something it caused me to, I had my back to Jesus, I had my back to God, and I was walking the other way, and something happened where I, I turned and I looked and I saw, this is, this is who I want to live for. I don't fully understand it, I don't know about this church stuff, I've got lots of questions here, but there's something about, I know God's real, and I know he loves me, and I know he loves me because Jesus died for me. Something happened to awaken my heart to that realisation. And what we discover is, Jesus does that. So if you're a Christian... You've heard God's voice because he spoke to your heart and wakened you up. So he's done it once. He'll do it many, many times again to speak to you. So it's just an encouragement that we see in these verses. Uh, the next thing that we see in these verses, though, is that Jesus is the primary way that we hear God's voice. This is, kind of goes back to this point. It's all about Jesus. Um, we see here, um, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. So Jesus is bear wit bearing witness about the Father, God the Father. Um, no one 
uh, will snatch them out of my hand. But then he goes on to say, no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Which hand are the sheep in? Jesus is God. Jesus and the father are one is the point that's being made there. And I I labour this kind of every time I get to it because there's plenty of people out there that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but they don't believe Jesus is God. Yes, I'm a Christian, but Jesus is an angel, maybe. Yes, I'm a Christian, but but Jesus is just a a prophet. Or or I believe in God, but Jesus is... Here, Jesus is saying, I'm God. And you can be sure of that because the Jews pick up stones and say, it's not the good works that you're doing, it's the blasphemy you're saying because you're saying that you're God. They've interpreted him correctly. They just don't believe him. They've got him exactly right. Jesus is saying, I'm God. The Jews just, the the Pharisees, those Jews then, didn't believe him. That's the only difference. So if Jesus is God, if Jesus is uh, the the full picture of God, I love what it says in Hebrews. It says Jesus is the, the radiance of the glory of God. If you imagine the sun, Jesus is the sunlight that comes onto us. You can't take the sunlight away and still have the sun. They're kind of, they're one and the same, but there's a, Jesus is the glory of, of who God is. Um, also at the very beginning uh, of John's gospel, uh, John writes, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, was with God and the word was God. So Jesus is equated with, he's the same as God's very words. So when we hear Jesus, we're hearing the very words of God. When we see his actions and his life, his character, the things he chose to do, the people he associated with, then we're seeing what God's like. What does this mean for us? Well, it means that if you're feeling like God is speaking something to you or you feel like, you know, oh, maybe God is telling me to do this. Well, you can hold that up against Jesus. Is this the kind of thing Jesus would do? Is this the kind of thing Jesus would say? Does this fit with what Jesus has taught? I could come up with some examples, but um, I think we all could. We, when we think about, um, you know, what is God doing in my life? What is he saying to me? We can hold these things up against Jesus as the, the ultimate authority. Uh, just a, a side point, the cross is the greatest, I think, shout, to use a met- the metaphor, continuing it. It's like God shouting across creation. This is what I'm like. I love the world so much, I sent my only son, that whoever believes in me, believes on my work on the cross, they'll have eternal life. That's God's shout across creation. If you get a doubt in your mind about what God's like, just look at the cross. Um, That moves us on to uh, the second way that we hear God's voice um, is through scripture. Um, this chapter's got a really interesting part in it where um, Jesus has said, I and the Father are one. These, uh, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, who are just heart set on not believing anything this guy says anymore, um, have picked up stones. They are ready to stone him. And Jesus is saying, he knows this isn't how he's meant to die. And he knows that this isn't when he's meant to die. He's still got more stuff to do. His hour has not yet come. If we remember, this is a phrase that happens a lot in John's gospel. My hour has not yet come. He says it to his mum when she asks him to turn water into wine. He says, Mary, my hour has not yet come. Um, but what that means is it's not my time to die. It's not, it's, not, it's not the crucifixion time. It's not that's the hour. 
If you didn't know, that's what that hour refers to. It refers to the crucifixion. And Jesus knows this isn't it. And so he does a kind of manoeuvre, a play on words. It's, um, he, he's trying to calm the situation so that he can live another day. That's what most commentators think Jesus is doing here because he uses scripture in a really interesting way. Um, and we don't have time to look at what that's all about. But what is interesting is that there's an assumption Jesus makes about the Bible whilst he's trying to calm the situation down. He says this, um, and scripture cannot be broken. See, Jesus uh, is saying here in this verse, he's kind of appealing to the Jews, or, you know, this, you know, don't, don't stone me, maybe you misheard me, remember what the Bible says, and the Bible cannot be broken. There's something about the Bible that Jesus is saying is, is unbreakable. You can't go in there, get the little phrase or, or verse that you like, break it out of the Bible and have that apply for your life and, and say, oh no, but I don't like that bit. You know, that bit I'm not okay with. We, we can't do that with the Bible. Um, likewise, we shouldn't ignore the parts that challenge us. Um, see, there's an authority that Jesus assumes about scripture. It's really interesting. There's another uh, there's a place in Matthew where Jesus quotes uh, the, the book of Exodus and quotes Moses. And it's Moses speaking, if you, if you go back and read it. It's Moses saying something, but when Jesus quotes it, he says, God said these words. So we, we know when we look at Jesus, the way he refers to the Old Testament, he says, it's all of this is God's words to us. Um, it's inter- I find it interesting um, that there's a group of Christians, they uh, call the red letter Christians, and they, they hold, if you've got, I had a really old uh, King James Bible where all of Jesus's letters are in red ink so that you know what Jesus is saying and what other people are saying. Um, I don't know if you've come across those Bibles. They're not so common anymore. Um, but when I became a Christian, that's what everyone had. Um, and uh, I've, I've met several people who said those words are more important than all the other words. Jesus's words are more important. And if we took my first point to an extreme, you could think that too, that it's, it's Jesus who shows us who God is. Jesus is the fullest uh, picture who, of who God is. But we go too far because even Jesus is saying, no, Moses's words are God's words. And Peter, uh, when he's talking about Paul, the apostle, he's talking about his letters. He says, oh, Peter's letters, they're a bit difficult to understand. And some people get it wrong and they twist it just like the other scriptures. And so Peter says, okay, here's Paul's letters and the scriptures, and people deal with them, can, can twist them just like they can twist that. And he's putting them on the same place. So again, we're getting this sense of the Bible as a whole uh, is, is, is God's authoritative word to us. It's, it's weighty. It's God speaking to us today. And that's chiefly because the scriptures talk about Jesus. First point. It's chiefly because they point to who Jesus is. So we read uh, here in, oh yeah, we'll skip Timothy too. Uh, John, outrageous. Uh, John chapter five, when Jesus is talking again about, um, the, he's talking to these Pharisees and he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you'll get eternal life. It's not in the Bible you get eternal life. And it is that they bear witness about me. It's in Jesus you get eternal life. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. 
But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my works? The, the whole of the Bible points to Jesus. That's why it's all authoritative. Because the whole of the Bible points to him. Abraham sacrificing his son. But God says, no, don't. Here's a goat. These pictures um, in the Old Testament point forward towards Jesus. Okay. So... The final point I want to uh, make is that we three, how do we hear from God? So primarily through Jesus, who we see in the scriptures, which are authoritative, they're reliable, they're trustworthy. And then thirdly, through one another. Uh, and I just want to look at the very end of the passage, John 10, uh, verses 40. So I'll give you a second to find that in your Bibles. The last three verses of John 10. And they're there. It says, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained and many came, uh, many came to him. And they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Something about John, the Baptist, not the writer, that his ministry, what he did, on this other side of the river, meant that when Jesus came, they just saw Jesus for who he was and they believed. You see, a couple of verses previously, the God of the universe is speaking directly to a bunch of guys saying, I and the Father are one, and they pick up stones to throw at him. But something about when Jesus goes to John, goes across the, across the river, uh, John's not there anymore. John uh, has already died and been beheaded. Um, spoilers. And so he's, he's not around. Um, but his disciples are still there. And the people in the area who obviously knew what was going on are still there. And uh, it's John's witness that has led these uh, people to, when they see Jesus... They recognise who he is. It says, um, John did no sign, but everything that John said about Jesus was true. So they've heard from John, this is what Jesus is like. Jesus turns up, they're like, yes, he is like that. I believe in him. And we can actually go back uh, to John chapter 1, way back to the beginning, um, and see what it was that John was doing. John, it says this, and John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, on he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have bore witness that this is the son of God. So John is hearing from God in a dynamic way. He's hearing something specific about, about Jesus and he's pointing people to who Jesus is. And he's saying, this guy, it's that guy there. Uh, we, he also says, you know, this is the lamb of the world who takes, a, this is the lamb of God, sorry, who takes away the sin of the world. There's a, there's a, a prophetic um, outpouring that John is, is getting. He's getting a, a prophetic word that he then gives out to the people that are around that point people to Jesus. And uh, it can be the same for us today. We can hear from God 
through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So um, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a list. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not a complete list. There's other spiritual gifts, but there is a list there of, uh, of about 12 gifts where you've got prophecy, um, speaking in tongues, interpreting of tongues. Uh, there's words of knowledge, words of wisdom. There's a whole bunch of gifts there. Uh, and there's other places with other different gifts as well. That where, but, but primarily, chiefly, what is happening there is God is speaking through people to bless the church. Uh, why do I think that? Well, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, this whole passage about uh, speaking in, um, it, it's about kind of how do we do speaking in kind of spiritual ways? How do we do hearing from God in church? Paul, the apostle, is writing to Corinth that have, maybe have some issues with this, where it's a bit chaotic, it's craziness, and everyone's shouting out and speaking, and just nothing can be heard. And Paul is giving some direct teaching into that church. And he says this, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So it was great this morning. Um, I actually was going to give a little testimony of one time when someone gave a tongue and then there was an interpretation, but don't need to do that because that happened this morning. So that was really exciting um, and, and encouraging. I asked Nina afterwards, like, Nina, did what I say seem and fit with what you were feeling? And she was like, yes, I was going to interpret anyway, but, you know, you just said what I was going to say. I was like, yes. <laughs> um, so, so, so... That's an example of how God can speak dynamically. Uh, when I say dynamically, I kind of mean currently to us, to our heart. Um, just to give some context in that moment, I was feeling as Nina started to pray in tongue, I felt the words instantly come to me. And I kind of was like, oh, I need to speak up. And it kind of bubbled up. I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but when I speak to people, it seems that way, that you kind of feel like... My, you know, I'm on hot stones now. I've got to do something, do the penguin dance. I've got to get up there. I've got to speak. And I think that could be helpful if you're thinking, do I hear from God in that way? Um, my encouragement is I don't believe that, that it's like you have that gift. That's your gift for life. The gift is the, the, the tongue in that moment. So Nina had the gift of a tongue and then... She had interpretation, I had interpretation, maybe someone else had a, a picture and interpretation as well. Um, that was the gift, not that Nina can every time she wants to speak in tongues and then I can always interpret. I don't think it works that way. It might be more common, but, it, but really what we're saying is, and what Paul seems to be suggesting here, is that when you come together, each one has a hymn. Each one has a, re- a lesson. Each one has a revelation. We all have different gifts at different times and we all can contribute. And um, what should we be contributing? Well, we're pointing to Jesus, just like John the Baptist. We're pointing to him because it's all about him. Because actually, ultimately, he is God's word to us. The, that means then that we need to test what we bring, our contributions. We test them against scripture. They're not authoritative. They're not like totally reliable in the same way that the bible is we say okay Allah brought a tongue does that sit Allah brought interpretation does that sit with what we know about god does that sit with what we know about god from scripture like in the bible does it say things like that um and that's what we're doing on a sunday morning that's 
why you know we have Josh with the microphone so that Josh can come and, and we can see what is what is God speaking to us in the morning, like in our services, what is he saying to us that we can contribute, that we can build, uh, build up one another, that we can encourage one another. Um, that's what those gifts are for. I think um, another thing that I pull out of that is that John spoke out his revelation. Like he, he spoke it out. It wasn't for him. It was for everyone else. And I think that's true as well of spiritual gifts generally and our gifts generally that God gives us, they're not for me. Yes, I'm encouraged. Yes, I'm like, wow, okay, God, you wanted to speak through me and that's amazing. But, but chiefly, it wasn't for me. It was for everyone else. So that's why it's so important that when we do think God is speaking to us, we speak up, we speak out to bless one another, to encourage one another, sometimes to challenge one another. There's other voices that are calling for us and we need to help each other point to the good shepherd don't listen to that listen to him and that's that's why it's so crucial that we're doing it that then we're looking and saying does that fit you know where does this fit with the bible where does this fit with what we see about god in scripture and and primarily does this point us to him does this strengthen people's faith in jesus see i think um and just to end, just to conclude, I think there's two people I'm speaking to, and I think that we can be both of these people at the same time. For some of us, we might need to open our ears to hear what God's already saying to us right now. There might be, there might be these other voices that are calling us away. But Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us to green pastures. And we need to trust him this morning. So... My challenge is, what is God saying to you? What is that niggling feeling that you think, I, I know God is speaking to me about this. I've got to give this up. I shouldn't be pursuing that. I should uh, maybe do more of this. I need to step out in, in encouraging. I need to step out in this area. Like, what is it God has put in your heart? Listen to it. And then the other, some of us, we need to step up in hearing and speaking God's voice to others. We're the body. We are the church. And we all have different roles. We all have different um, things to do. But, but we need to encourage one another. So can I encourage you to pray and say, hey, God, like, how can I be your words this week? How can I speak to someone from you this week? How can I point people to you, Jesus, this week? It might be speaking up to a colleague at work, asking to pray for them. It could be thinking, how can I contribute next Sunday? How can I uh, bring a prayer? Or even be willing to receive a tongue or an interpretation or a picture, something like that, where God is speaking to you. We should be wanting to speak to one another and encourage one another. So can I encourage us to to be prayerful this week uh, about how we can uh, hear from God and speak uh, and be spoken through uh, on Sunday, uh, but also in our weeks and in our, in our, as we go forward. So I'm going to end here. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're, we're done. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that we are uh, children of the King. Lord, I thank you that you've given us Jesus as the great example, the, cr- the truest picture of who you are. 
Lord God, I thank you that you have given us your word that speaks so clearly to us today about your purposes, about your plans for our life. I thank you for every promise in that book that is for the sheep of the shepherd. Lord, I pray, would we hear those words, Lord, and follow after you. Lord, and I pray, would you make us a body, a church that loves to encourage, to build up, to sing songs to one another, to speak boldly your words to one another and, uh, and to challenge each other to look after you, to, to follow after you, to follow our king, to follow our shepherd. Lord, I pray, would you cause us to be a people of the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andrew.